Opinionated Marketers, a podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Hello and welcome to Opinionated Marketers with Charles Nixon and me, Kieran Kapoor. Um, This week we've decided nothing very much is going on in the political world in the UK, so we are going to do one of our book reviews and this week it is The Great Demographic Reversal by Charles Goodhart and Manoj Pradham, which is... Um, an economics book um, looking at the ways that the global demographics have been changing. There's some data that is probably um, uncontroversial in that the data is, the data seems to be genuine data and I was checking um, data points or some of them, but there's also how they then conclude from that. The best summary, let let me just have um, uh, a a partial Quote, the big story is that the previously uh, highly favourable demographic developments in the fastest growing areas of the world, i.e. East Asia and in Europe, are currently and sharply reversing. As a result of the demographic changes of the past, the myriad of left-behind workers with dampened expectations are turning to populist politicians on the right. uh, Policies they espouse to limit immigration and protect local industries chime with the views of disillusioned workers. They have lost their bargaining power, but they have retained their political power. And this is the great demographic reversal of the title. Although one can query how far globalisation is now in retreat, the basic outlines of this great reversal are undeniable. Favourable demographic and rampant globalisation were largely, if not wholly, responsible for the fastest growth and much of the lower nominal variables, i.e. inflation and interest rates, over the last three decades. Since that is so, then it stands to reason that the next three decades will see lower growth, faster inflation and higher nominal interest rates. And now that was written two years ago and in one respect has proved remarkably prescient. And I think um, some of the aspects of the rest of the book and the detail behind that are therefore worthwhile for marketers to dive into because it has some significant implications. I mean, there are very much two parts and you have to sort of accept both bits of it. So there's the the um, argument that the rise in of um, global growth in the last sort of three, four decades has very much come on the fact that countries like America, much of Western Europe, could outsource their production to places like China, Indonesia, Korea, and therefore reduce that cost. Um, But that allowed them to um, grow and develop their economies in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assumption that now China and other parts of the world are going to pull back from that. So they will stop being what they, the book describes as deflationary. Yep. So, uh, there are. Uh, this is somewhat complex and I don't wish to make it overly so for anybody who's listening. But essentially there are, I would say, two major themes here. The one theme is that China, which is the great engine of growth, and the rest of the Southeast Asian marketplace have uh, come to a point, uh, what you might call a tipping point. Um, China, especially in the last week, um, delayed the um, announcements of its growth rate whilst the People's Congress was going on, mainly because it didn't achieve uh, the growth rate that had been anticipated or wanted by the party. It was still something like 4.9%, which is significant growth rate for anybody else, but not necessarily for China. And the 
implication of, of this is that the Chinese marketplace is growing slower but it is becoming more uh, internally focused rather than providing and being the manufacturer for the rest of the world. Its savings surplus will therefore be spent internally rather than externally, which means that there will be a reduction in the amount of cash and money available for investment around the world. Um, it also means um, that they will be internally focused in their own consumer marketplace rather than exporting to the rest of the world, but will can still continue to consume large amounts of um, commodities. The implication of that is that the prices for commodities will continue to be high, but they will be consumed internally rather than uh, globalization around the world. The um, implication for the rest of the world, therefore, as China's population therefore be starts to decline because it is becoming aging and cannot support itself because of the one-child policy means that the investments that China has made around the world and its uh, savings that it has put around the world will be brought home. That therefore means that there will be less cash in, in the world economy. At the same time, the similar situation is happening in Europe um, where uh, populations, Germany being an obvious example, Italy um, and uh, France and uh, others, populations are aging and indeed in some intensity going into decline, um, which means that there are less workers to support the retired population. Um, the retired population doesn't earn, as in it does not create, it only consumes. Uh, the result of that is that the price of goods goes up um, um, because there is more consumption rather than necessarily production. So what does that mean? It means some significant changes for, for us. It means that there is a major potential social problem in the inequality, um, the haves and the have-nots, the just-about-managings, as uh, previous Tory party uh, leaders have called them, um, means that it will need to be quite some serious socio-economic segmentation carried out by organisations um, to target those areas which either can afford or wish to afford the products and services that you sell. The ageing of the population means that there must be more targeting and product development to an aged world. Um, the over 55s um, will be and well are and will continue to be the dominant economic buying population. Um, whilst millennials are often the ones that uh, marketers tend to talk about and, and consider, their buying power is minimal by comparison. Um, and one of the elements that that probably brings about, of course, is that there will be lower growth in the marketplace, but higher inflation, um, which will be continuous until the central banks either choke it off by bringing about a recession, um, which means companies will decline, um, or it will be persistent for a longer period of time. Yes, I th one of the, I mean, there were there were many interesting um, sections and chapters in the book, but one of the ones that draws the eye was their discussion about post the pandemic, because as you said, a lot of the work of research had been done in 2019. In fact, it went to publish uh, to the publishers in 2019, and they launched it in 2020. Great timing, um, mm. and they talk about how COVID has literally just um, pushed all the things that they suggested would happen faster. 
um, so that we did, um, all countries became more inward looking as their own populations demanded that quite reasonably. And also, of course, because you couldn't travel and you couldn't move stuff around so easily. Mm. Um, There was a supply side shock. Um, We did have decreased output. We did uh, have, as a result, have increased prices. And um, one of the things I thought was quite interesting was there's, there's often an assumption that we will go back to how it was. And they make a very, very simple and very obvious point when you think about it, that if you were selling services in COVID, um, you can't make that up again. You could, if you were, a, I don't know, a, um, a, a plumber or a builder, people might wait and then after COVID say, right now I want my plumbing and building done. But you're not, you can't have all the haircuts that you didn't have over the course yes. of the pandemic. Or... Um, you, you know, you can't. You're not necessarily going to rush out and have all those restaurant meals that you would have had during that pandemic period. So it's a very interesting point that actually, um, when you come out of a period like that, different sectors and different types of products and services are affected very differently. Yes, in the service sector, it's lost forever. So mm. you know, you you cannot get it back, um, and that leaves them at a fundamental uh, disadvantage, either from a, a cash flow point of view or or uh, a profitability point of view. Um, the other aspect, of course, is that historically speaking, many corporations um, um, borrowed um, because it was cheap to do so. Interest rates were very, very low. And this is the problem that we've seen latterly, of course, with government debt, um, that when government debt was cheap, that's fine. But if you do something that um, upsets the marketplace and the interest rate that people want to charge goes up, then you spend up, spend billions more on paying interest. Now, mm-hmm. at a micro level, individual corporations um, are now squeezed in two ways because they are squeezed with increased costs of inputs, whether it happens to be energy or uh, raw materials for, say, food in the uh, um, uh, hospitality sector. And you're probably paying more interest on any loans that you have. Um, this becomes the, the famous double whammy. Um, and so how do you manage? Um, and... Again, the the question has to be that you have to think uh, radically, you have to think out of the box, you have to think about whether or not actually opening all the hours that are available to you is the right way to do it. So we've talked about that in the past, mm-hmm. being more rational in the way in which you um, you manage your uh, output in terms of uh, opening hours, but also you change your way in which you deliver perhaps the products or services, which may well be that you don't open shops, but you deliver to people's homes, etc. And so the, the pandemic has um, accelerated the trends that are in, in this book. Um, I think the other element that's important, I think, is that we do have a problem because of the the point that I was making at the beginning when I was reading that book out, is that the nationalism um, and the um, protectionism that has come um, from uh, the deglobalization has meant that there is a control now uh, in the free movement of labor. Um, and therefore mm, countries are thrown much more on their own existing resources. The problem that leads to, of course, is that a large number of people within the labour marketplace have removed themselves post the pandemic from it. Um, the great resignation is has been overhyped, but there is an element of it. There's a, a, a decline in the number of people who are participating over the age of 60 or 65 that needed to do so. Um, so um, we, we find now that you know one of the aspects is that we either need to think clearly 
from a marketing perspective as how we pitch our business as being uh, age-friendly um, or um, refle- uh, 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 flexible working friendly um, in order to uh, staff um, or we start to automate. And of course, the automation that has been talked about, whether it happens to be robotics or it's AI um, or any of the other automation aspects, um, may well bring about the increase in productivity that has been so elusive in the last few years. In in summary, I mean, there is, I think the book proves very conclusively that there is a demographic reversal in that um, parts of the world have very much have an aging population and with a restriction on immigration, um, there will be issues about um, the workforce. There's a very, very interesting section on the rise of populism and why that has happened and what the economic drivers of that is. Um, obviously, it sees, it sees a lot of this through the lens of economics. It's an economics um, book. Um, so it's quite interesting looking at the economics and then looking at the conclusions that it draws draws from it. Um, and the overall, it says that ultimately wages will go up, there will be inflationary pressures, interest rates will go up. But their conclusions are the, are the controversial bit, the conclusions are the bit that you can you can challenge. You, you can consider them and, and, and accept them as, as you wish to do so. The element, I think, that um, uh, is, is unusual in the fact that the great demographic reversal um, is not just the reversal in terms of the demographics. It is this re- reversal in the fact that uh, the population um, has uh, got a rather large rise in um workers who have lost their bargaining power but have retained their political power and that's the age uh, group um, and that perhaps you know, indicates to some degree the political problems that we've had over the last few weeks um, that the uh, political parties are reflecting those that have political power but not necessarily uh, the best economic approaches um, that would result in growth. Charles, great as ever to speak to you. And we have been discussing The Great Demographic Reversal by Charles Goodhart and Manoj Pratham. Like and subscribe to this feed for more podcast content from Cambridge Marketing College.